everyone, I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi, everyone. Larissa Russell of Creative You Healing. Welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today, I have with me Katie Tanakis. Katie is a multidisciplinary artist who utilizes her voice to inspire change and transformation in people who want to make an impact in the world. She loves having deep human conversations using our voices to inspire connection, compassion, understanding, empathy, and wholehearted wellness. She feels we all need to learn to give ourselves the grace and space to heal from trauma, breathe through the tough stuff, and create meaningful lives and love. This is exactly who she is and what she lives for. Katie is also a mental health advocate standing for ethics, morals, and values. She wrote a poetry book on love that focuses on all the beautiful elements of life untainted by trauma and mental health. Welcome, Katie. Thank you you so much, Larissa. I appreciate you. (laughs) Can you show your book again? Because Yeah. yeah, A Lover's Fairy Tale. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, it's a loversfairytale.com. And it, um, for the listener um, or the viewer, um, when they go and they put in their email, I have an automation where I'll gift you um, a, a lover's fairy tale playlist of spoken word music videos that I produce, self finance, self everything, got all the people together, hair, makeup, editor, everything. And um, most of the spoken word, most of the poetry pieces, there's 11 pieces in the book, um, are coupled with um, the spoken word music videos as well. Um, and then the artwork that's included, it looks um, it looks like um, p- paintings, but it's actually photographs from a legendary photographer who's my dear friend, Robert Sturman. It's S-T-U-R-M-A-N, robertsturmanstudio.com. And Polaroid, the original Polaroid, discontinued in, 2000, in um, 2001. And he was a young living artist. So he had to reinvent himself as someone in his 30s and um, and so he went and bought all the Polaroids he could and put them in the freezer to preserve them. And during the time that I wrote these poetry pieces were the time we did a series together. And um, so I thought it was really apropos to match the the words with the um, the visual. So the reader and the visual person could get a vibe of like where I where my soul and essence was during those times that I wrote the pieces. That is awesome. And it's so wonderful to have those collaborations with people who understand and get where you're coming from, right? Yeah. I mean, who would have thought, like, I wrote the pieces um, from 2004 through 2012, and now we're in the 21st century. It's 2021. And I just released it on World Poetry Day on March 21st. And so over a decade ago, and I just reached out to Robert, I'm like, hey, I'm going to release this poetry book. Is it cool if I use these, um, you know, beautiful photographs, this art we created together, like, like almost two decades ago? And he's like, they're and he's such an artist. He's like, 
they're half yours. He's like, it's not me. It's not my work. He's like, we, we collaborated. We did this together. He's like, do what you want with them. I'm like, merch is cool. So I have like coffee mugs, like coffee and poetry. He's like anything. He's like, you know, sell it all, do whatever you want. And he just gave me that full like permission to be so open as an artist and not like not say give me half or give me a percent he was just like do whatever you want with them like he was so open as an artist create create creatively and that I think it's so important when you meet people and you plant and you sow those seeds that it's an essence and a vibe and a feeling from a creative aspect because it's like it's my life is like a garden and I sow seeds so when I meet you and I meet Robert I I plant a seed and I nourish and I water it and every three months I check in and I I like rake it up and I rake away the duds and then I keep nourishing, you know, and watching my beautiful garden grow. And what happens two decades later, look, I, I, I like nourish that relationship. And I feel like that's how the psychology of life is short term, medium term and long term. And a lot of people I feel are short sighted and they've been maybe burnt. So then they're limited with, um, not having the foresight of, Hey, this, what you do today is a ripple effect of, generations to come Mm -hmm. it's interesting um i'm just gonna segue a little bit here because this conversation is interesting but um like i do summits and so i have these relationships with people that i've built over time and somebody recently asked me about the monetary and i said yeah they've built up and and i make pretty good money off of them now i said but more importantly i've built relationships and what that's brought me and the opportunities and the things in those relationships. And they weren't quite understanding how it wasn't the focus on the money. And it's like, there's more to it than that, right? Yes. There's just so much more. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you can't judge a book about uh, by its cover. You, you do the summits and you're a part of the collective and it's not about the money. It's you're offering yourself and your wisdom to these people who are, you know, doing an energetic exchange to hear and listen. And then there's like a way for they can follow up with you and and get to know you on a personal level. Or like if you have a course, then maybe purchase the course or something like that. Um, I do the like the same exact thing. It's like I'm a that's why I started my own podcast. She's all over the place because I remember when I was 12 and I have a 12 year old niece and it's like, I wanted someone to tell me in my ear little secrets that I needed to know about life. So I know, so I knew those things. And so I decided, you know, for my two decades of the, in the entertainment industry and traveling the world to give people this insight and hacks just to be an open book. I was saying the same thing over and over and it's exhausting because it's an energy, it's energy and motion. But if I have it on a podcast or on a video and I'm gifting someone my experience, it's not right or wrong. Um, one of my coaches say it's just weak or strong. And it's like, if you vibe and align with it, then we can connect and like hold hands on this journey of life together. It's like money comes and goes, but the experiences and the, the, the vibes of, of the moment is what has longevity. And it's the real richness in life. Like, you know, that's like, like, it's like when people say, Oh, like that person's rich. Okay. Mine's like, they might be wealthy. You're thinking, Oh, they might be rich as in like wealthy, but rich is your soul. Rich is the beautiful artwork you have behind you. If someone's seeing on the video, like that's the richness to me, you know, culture and food and the, the relationships in, in this moment that we're having together, you know, you and I, and, and the listener and the viewer. Yeah, absolutely. I I so agree with that. I think it's so important to build those relationships for that reason, that Mm -hmm. richness of life, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Mm -hmm. So for anyone who doesn't know you, can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up where you are today? 
Sure. Um, um, it just on a macro level um, in uh, the universal law in the stars, I was born 1111. So throughout life, I was like, oh, 1111, lucky number, 1111, the portal, 1111, make a wish. So I am the wish. Like I am God's grace and I am God's gift. And as you are and every individual, there's a TED talk like it, it in the chances of us being here as an individual is in over one in 400 trillion. The chances of us just being here is such a gift. So as a youngster, being Greek and having culture and tradition, um, I was into like Homer and Socrates and Plato and the Greek philosophers and just that whimsical essence of like those, you know, fantasy worlds. And I had some kind of permission in that area and an exploration of poetry and language and vibes and what I say is very intentional because you're receiving it as a human being. And we have 12 main chakras, seven main chakras inside the body. And what you say to your viewers and what I'm sharing with your listener and viewer as well, it's a social responsibility as a human being, as a human being, I feel. And so I was very attuned and aware of this at a young age. I'm an empath. Um, I'm uh, HSP. I'm a highly sensitive person. 15 to 20% of the population are HSPs. And so I'm very intuitive of like a vibe and um, of like, you know, checking in and I feel things more than I guess. Um, I don't want to say, quote unquote, a normal person would feel, but I guess that's why I segued into poetry, into painting, into doodling, into the arts, into TV and film, into comedy and into wanting to make other people laugh and express through my sound or my voice at, at a really young age, wanting to make people happy because I knew at a very young age how it felt to be very sad. And I guess they say all this, the best stand up comics and all the best comedians, Robin Williams, God bless his soul. They like to make people laugh because they know what it is like to suffer and they don't want other people to suffer. So they just share so much laughter and then they take their own pain and laugh at it. And William Shakespeare has a great quote about, you know, paraphrasing like, you know, in a, in a comedy and, and the tragedies of life, being able to laugh with tragedy it's like it's life just you have to be able to laugh at yourself and laugh at cer certain situations and even laugh that you got so strict on it and it hurts you so much or you got so mad for such a long time because I've been there and now I observe and I'm like oh my god I got so mad about this thing and you have to be able to laugh at it you know because laughter keeps us alive and the the, the world is so beautiful even in the chaos and, and with the drama and in the Kilo Gabron lastly says he has a poem on joy and sorrow. And when you know the depths of the soul and sorrow, you can only then appreciate the highest of the high and the joyous of the joy because you know what the other side feels like. Mm -hmm. It's so true. It's so true. As a HSP myself, I, I totally um, understand that. And I have to say COVID's been rather good for me because I can just, you know, remove myself from the busyness. I, it, it's so funny because I was out today. Um, I had to go get some lab work done and I stopped for a coffee at Starbucks and it's been closed for a while and it just reopened this week and I have hardly left the house and I went in and I was so overwhelmed. <laughs> like, There's too many choices. There's too much going on. I managed to order and get out of there, but I had to take some space to do a meditation afterwards. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Like, honestly, 
brava on you because you're like, oh, just opened a week ago and you were there. I wouldn't be like, seriously, since March was a year, March was a year. I have I've been to maybe two Rite Aids. That's it. Like I wear, I worn double masks. Like the only place I've been where there's been a lot of people was at church three times. And they're like little old ladies and they're not wearing masks. They're like, you know, they're Greek. They're from the old country. They're like, if it's my time, it's my time. My, yeah, yeah. My 91 year old grandmother, she says the doctor tried to give her the vaccine. She says, no, I'm allergic. And, you know, and with her um, broken English and her accent, but um, yeah, I'm the same vibes. Like I'm, I, I get very, um, sensitive to all those things. I don't know if you know your human design or not. Do you know your human design? I don't think so. No. So there's five different types. I'm a projector. Um, you can go to mybodygraph.com. It's free and you can, um, check it out. But basically my, certain, certain, um, centers of mine are open and yours are probably open as well. And since they're open, we're, we're in a circle of people we take on or in a Starbucks or wherever we take on their energies. And so that's why when we have to dismantle being in a group, we need to, I, what I do is like, if I'm in a, a market, like a year ago, if I'm at a party, an event over a year ago, I'll go into the bathroom and I'll run cool water underneath my wrist for like two minutes, or I'll take cold, cool water and I'll pat it on my face or on the back of my neck. And then it removes that energy. It kind of like resets. And sometimes like I just really need to sleep alone at night because so I can just be in my own thoughts because I'll be able to pick up on like someone else's like energy and thoughts and I take it on and I'm just I'm really sensitive. I mean, I I don't watch the news since I was a kid. I went maybe seven years without a TV and I'm an actor, (laughs) but I was into the streaming like Netflix and things like that. I wasn't like a daily TV watcher just from being so sensitive. Mm -hmm. And then it was a challenge for a while being that because you had to get to, I had to get to a point where I had to like accept and allow and embrace who I was and create space for that and allow that to be and vocalize like this is how I am to create the space so I didn't have to like hinder myself or be a turtle or like apologize for being a certain way or feeling less than for being fully me as a sensitive being because it's a gift we're all very sensitive human beings we're all very resilient and we're all very sensitive and it's a it's an extreme beautiful gift that we have that Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think as, as you recognize those things in yourself, it helps you then to be able to put yourself out in the world in the best way possible for yourself. Right? And people like us need to be the voices to share that with other people who are quiet, who maybe not know about it, who are a little confused inside or a lot confused inside. And they're like, wait, like I'm feeling this thing. And it, it seems quote unquote vulnerable or weak, but actually it's our greatest strength. And so we get to share that with people. So it's cool that we connect and chat about this as well. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What does healing with creativity mean to you? Oh, that's a good one. It can go in so many different directions. Um, It depends how long we're on this topic. But the one thing that comes to me uh, that 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 to my spleen, that intuitive hit, which is my gift would be um, taking everything, the the colors um, that are bright and colorful, like pop culture art, and then the dark colors of, you know, that goes on the canvas. So the dark and the light, no matter what you're seeing, to always take life in that metaphor of having a blank canvas and applying it all to the canvas, especially with, um, I have a joy journal and a bothersome journal. It's the same journal, but 
I have joy. And I, every day I write down all my joys during the day or at night. Usually I write down all my joys and then I write all my bothersomes. And then I just gave myself permission recently, sometimes when I'm feeling a certain way to get out all the aggravation and the, the bothersome first. And that would be like the colorful, dark palettes that go on a canvas. And then it's so beautiful when you get that bothersome out, then I feel the shift in the transition to want to like jump to the joy page and then start writing all the joys. But the number one thing I always do when I start my um, journaling, I always put health as number one before I even do my bothersome because number one is the health. And if you have not only your physical health, but your mental health and you put those first, you can have anything and everything else you want. So me being a DJ, an actor, comedy, drama, um, doodle, or I doodle, I make music. I just released an EP. Um, um, just this week, I released an EP I'll have to tell you about. It's called Full House. And I grew up in the electronic music scene with all the best DJs from around the world. And I teamed up with a scientist named Eric Thompson from Subtle Energy. It's subtle underscore energy on Instagram. And um, we put quantum physics in the music. And I go, I have a duo, uh, a music duo called The Sophisticated Psychos. All the music videos and audio are on all the platforms. And what we do is I chose 396 healing frequencies to go into these this EP to these beats specifically because 396 healing frequencies on a sound vibratory healing level um, removes guilt and fear. My first EP I released during the pandemic, October 20th, was um, 639 healing frequencies because as we dismantled the old world and was in the pandemic and, you know, dismantling all the responsibilities, keeping up with the Joneses and everything, I was going on an internal journey. I was going on an internal journey to forgive self, to forgive my circumstances, to give, to forgive my past choices, to forgive my parents, my siblings, my partner, people in my life. I had to do a lot forgiving. This pandemic made me really like, oh my gosh, like I need to like forgive myself. And I need to forgive so many people. So I encoded, I had um, Eric Thompson, the scientist, encode quantum physics, 639 healing frequencies to forgive self and to forgive others. Because I felt like on a planetary level as an empath, right? As an HSP, we all needed and need to do a lot more forgiving of self and one another. And once we do that, we're the ripple effect for the universe and for ourselves and our, the people we care about. And then, so then releasing the um, full house EP this week. Um, I, my vessel shifted from forgiveness to removing guilt and fear. And then um, I have three more EPs, but um, you know, we'll follow up with those when, when they come, you know, when they come, but right now in the moment, it's all about in the vessel of removing the guilt and the fear. And I feel like if I'm doing that, maybe you, Larissa, the viewer, the watcher could, um, or listener could identify with that as well. And that's what it's meant to be. It's not like a macro thing of like Britney Spears or Taylor Swift. My ego found out along the way. It's about, it's intentional of whoever vibes and connects with it. It's supposed to mean and have an energetic exchange for them to heal when they need to hear it. And it'll get to their ears and into their soul when it's the right divine moment in time. So that's kind of what, you know, creativity and healing means for me on a multidimensional level. I love that. I just love that whole, um, I don't even know how to express it, but just that multidimensional level, I guess, right? And just all, yeah, how it all just works together and, and the flow of energy. I just really love that. 
Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's psychological. It's, I I grew up running cross country. So it's like the short term, medium term, long term goals. What we do as an individual affects the whole. So having care for self, but having care for not only my family and friends, but other people I don't know that I haven't met yet. When I was young, my goal, I knew my life purpose when I was a kid, my life purpose being um, the divine feminine, you know, 1111. I felt my divine purpose was it doesn't matter if I meet you for a minute, five minutes, five years, the exchange in energy, I want to be eternal. That, that has always been my goal and life mission. So I'm applying that to creativity into my life, which happens to be my profession because I chose those things on an intentional, deep-rooted level. But it doesn't mean it has to always be struggling and sorrow. You can still be light and fun and still do deep, meaningful things while still being a light energy being because I'm sensitive. So like, I don't need to be in certain kind of politics. I don't need to voice my opinion on certain things. Everyone else is saying their opinion. People really don't care to hear mine. You know what I mean? It's, it's the right action, the right thought and the intention of creativity through art that lasts forever. And people, when they verbally hear something or they see something, they're impacted on a cellular level, which is more powerful than any word could ever say. Right, right. And, and it's, it's so true that we have to express in our way, not in the way that everybody else is, right? Yeah. So that's so important. So important. Yeah. And that's just about like that segues into like finding your voice. And I do voiceovers and like I'm a poet and like a spoken word poet. And when I was young, I like knew exactly the knowing of the knowing of the knowing. And then what happened was when I, you know, somewhere along the line, someone's voice bit me from inside and I kind of let my soul kind of second guess. And I was like, okay, I want to go on an exploration. If I did for a decade, I went on an exploration. I went around the whole entire world and I met people and I asked them, what do you do to do this? How to be successful? What do you have to do to do this? Oh, jump. How high? Um, do, do jumping jacks? How many? And I, I was bouncing around for a decade, listening to multi-billionaires, multi-millionaires, listening to all artists and different people from different cultures, you know, in Prague and Italy and the South of France and, you know, India and all different places. I went and I was like a seeker. And that's why I really love Socrates. I'm like his younger sister. I'm, I'm always like, I'm a spiritual younger sister. Socrates, his de- definition of a philosopher is a person who's a lover of wisdom, a seeker. And so I went out into the world and even though I already knew, right, I th- a knowing, a deep knowing, and then having the mindset and knowing that my mind was a tool for fantasy, and but it was a tool, I went out and I saw in the world and after a decade, and I chose this. And then after over a decade of doing this, my life was like a labyrinth and I was so confused. I was so lost and I chose to go on that journey. And then there's some beautiful quote that I'm going to paraphrase, but my friend, Robert Sturman, who, you know, I did the series with from the A Lover's Fairy Tale poetry book. He gave me this one quote, like in 2005, you know, a while ago. And it's in, it's something like, um, you need to lose yourself to find yourself, like, you know, something like that. And I wasn't thinking about that at the time, but it was, it was a struggle for me to connect and get to me 
um, now. And, and it was, it was, it was a journey back home to myself. And, and um, just even recently, like, you know, and I say recent, because it took a while, it was a long time that I allowed myself to go venture out into the gardens of life, and get lost. Um, it took a while for me to get to my core and to my voice and to understand the knowing of my voice. And but once you do that, and you have the, um, the courage to do that, once you do that and you have the courage to do that, when you get your mojo back, it's like a determination. You're like, I'm not allowing or letting go of that mojo again, no matter what. And so I'm so grateful and, and in deep gratitude that I would have the courage and the, the bravery at such a young age to go and explore. But And I'll still be an explorer, but I am never, ever going to let go of who I am again. I did it once and I don't ever want to do it again. I am in gratitude of who I am and how I was made. And I feel like we all know that and have that. And if we don't know and have that, it's because we've chosen to be in unfortunate circumstances. And although we don't remember that we chose that there is some kind of divine knowing that people know about, especially, you know, on your show, will know, um, especially from seeing the movie soul, and how we like, you know, that Pixar, that amazing soul animation that recently came out a few months ago, like we chose to come here, like, you know, and it's bigger than us. And we don't have to intellectually understand it. But anyways, so that's kind of my thoughts on that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, and it's so true. You know, it's, it's finding your own voice, stepping into your own power is so important. Um, I spent a, the better part of my life, you know, trying one thing after another, thinking that's the way because these people did it and trying this and because those people did. And eventually you have to find your own way because that's the only way. Yeah. What you just said is so important because they could, there could be people we admire. Those people can be anchors for us to like, for like our roadmaps, but also those people could be detrimental and hold us back from the illusion of this is how it's supposed to be. What has already happened is done. What is possible is anything. So those people in those ways are roadmaps to lead us, but, and to anchor us down. But also we have to allow to shed the skin, shed the snake skin. And I've caught myself, oh, my God, because of my mind thinking and my ego thinking and me knowing that I think I know what I know. And that's my ego. I'm like, I've been like stuck in circles for three years, five years, maybe a decade. And I, what I have to do is dismantle and unhook from that expectation because expectation and comparisons to anyone or anything is just a 1000% death threat. So there is that's been my biggest, biggest struggle, comparing myself to another, having these expectations. I was celibate for seven years because I wanted to be just connected with myself and not be affected by another energy or another human being in their thoughts. I was an oak tree with myself because we can be swayed in life so many which ways, especially when we're sensitive, you know, and we're empathetic and we trust people and we need to trust. Yeah, but we need to be able to trust ourselves first. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so important. So important. So what inspires you in the work that you do? Mm, wow. I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful question, uh, an important question. And I feel it's ever changing. So if you asked the Katie 10 years ago, or when I was a kid, it would be different. Like now 
I'll circle back around, you know, with being a, a mental health advocate. When I was a kid, and I remember in school, we had like career decision making class. And there were 100 words on the board, literally one through 100 on the board. And you had to pick 20. And out of the 20, you had to categorize them. And out of all of them, I said health, because it's, like I said earlier, if you have your health, you could you have your wealth, you could do everything. If you have your health, you could do everything else on the list and more. But what I didn't know then was the language of mental health, emotional health, mental health. We have 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts, according to Dr. Joe Dispenza, the neuroscientist. And so now the Katie you're speaking with, I'm a mental health advocate. And when I say health, I'm not just thinking about my physical health because I ran cross country, my physical physique of like uh, uh, what people, my confidence, what people think about me, like people are, oh, that's superficial. No, it's important. It's an important, healthy aspect of physical, but also more importantly, mental, our mental health. So I am, I am the, the, what inspires me today and my creativity of my acting and connecting with a project or a script that I read, a project that I roll, read, how can I incorporate something that's going to be like a modern day Carol Burnett, who has the ethics, morals and value of a family style that's kid friendly, that can be transmuted to young adults, my peers and my elders, um, with saying an empowering message, but being a goofy stand up comedian or being able to, you know, be a screwball or, you know, be a bit nutty and be able to paint in my work. Um, and even do like storyboard collages with, you know, speaking on um, mental health or speaking about um, LGBTQA plus communities. It's, you know, mental uh, last month was mental health awareness month and this month is pride month. And it's like, that's the cool thing about life. I used to be so anti all those things, not those two things I just talked about, but Valentine's Day or like, you know, it's like all these made up holidays. But I was like so aggravated by it because I was so short sighted and 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 like unexperienced in a certain way, jaded or angered or something. I don't know. But now I found a new purpose through celebrating like these are reasons to celebrate life and attune and to align with different people in the world who celebrate. April was environmental month, you know, Earth Day and um you know, about the planet, but it's, I'm about the planet all year round. And although I'm not perfect and I do things, I'm acutely aware and I'm making conscious choices, not only for the environment, but for the animals and the food. And now, and then that's April and then mental health. That's, um, that's May. And I do that all year round. And then LGBTQA, my partner, Nikki Scorpio and the sophisticated psychos, he just released his solo project called irregular. It's a single, it's amazing. And it's about being irregular and like mental health and, he grew up in an LGBTQA plus community where he was raised by two females and his dad, he was artificial insemination. His dad is gay and um, his dad and mom were best friends. And so they were both gay and they had Nikki and he's not gay, but he stands for the people who are voiceless and he stands for the people who are uniquely, you know, irregular. So, um, so, so those are some, so I feel like as a human being, he has exposed me to me being a, like a, like a mother Teresa type, you know what I mean? Cause I'm like full rounded in all these areas where I have my strong suits, 
but also like empowering through relationship with other people, we can learn more and be excited to be a part of more celebrations of life. So, I mean, I, the list could probably go on, you know, of like the, the celebrating cultures and diversity. And I mean, I grew up in Detroit, the suburbs, like underground and like uh, being an empath, I never watched the news because it was just you know, people uh, burning down homes and the police saying and the news saying that everyone's burning down their own communities. And I'm like, why would they want to do that? Why? And I just I, I just had like a knowing about it. So I never tuned into those things. But being a young adult now, not being six, not being eight, it's like knowing that drugs were placed in those communities. Drugs, hard drugs were placed in those communities. Poverty, like were like they they've been suppressed. People like that because they they give them uh um the, they put the fast foods in their their areas. They keep them in their communities. They they domesticate them from being primal beings to getting out into the environment to keep you know people trapped in their communities. And then they're fighting wars within them, and they think that's the only life that there is, you know. And not having thank God with technology now, overdrive. It's an app. You can just have a library card for free. You can download up to 30 audiobooks per month for free. You can type in and learn about anything. So to give this education to people in, you know, these communities and even rural communities, you know, I've been to Brazil, I've been to Africa, I've been into, um, I've gone to um, places where you can't go unless the favelas that you places you can't go because there's no government there. And they told me like, you will die. Like they will kill you. If you go in there, you might not come out. You have to be invited in, you know? So these are very sensitive places that I didn't know, like when I was a kid, but knowing that I know now, like, you know, having certain privileges in life or, you know, having certain gifts that were given, I don't shun upon those things or feel guilty or ashamed. I'm grateful for those things, but also I'm not turning a blind eye to those things, those kind of, those topics, um, you know, it's like, and I can, you know, hold space and honor other people who I befriend and people who I believe in. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And, and that's exactly it. There's, there's so much in the world to inspire us. And, and so let's carry that forward instead of getting involved yeah. in, in the rest of it. Right. Yeah. Raising the vibration, right? Like in the pandemic, all the chaos of everyone saying, oh my God, this is closing and this is closing. Well, where who was making those products? How are they being made? Were they treated properly? Like all these factories and all these companies and all the old grids that are falling down, were they ethical companies? Like, were they good for the planet? Were, were they being toxic for the planet? Nature is so powerful. There's actually, um, like, I, I think it's a six docu-series part. It's on Netflix. Will Smith is the host. It's called One Big Rock. And you only can watch like two in a row because it's so informative and impactful but the nature nature repairs itself like all the catastrophe and all the chaos and all the things that are going on like it's okay because like it is what it is but like nature is like will repair itself it'll be fine before we got here and it'll be fine when we're not here anymore you know <laughs> so all these grids and companies and things that are deteriorating and falling and i feel for you know the people you know, who, when, who didn't have jobs or, you know, that had hard times during those moments, um, period. Um, you know, but some of them, you know, some of the places that went under just our society's moving so fast and it's going so fast. It's like those, those old grids and systems that were built, they weren't 
built to go into like evolution of where we're going there. They, they were built to only go so high and they're collapsing because those, those models do not sustain anymore. And we can be more effective with doing less harmful things to one another, um, you know, and treating each other better, like people having hybrid um, opportunities at home. Some people have social anxiety. Some people like for me, if you listen to Jennifer Aniston and so many actors, George Clooney, yo, it is so difficult to like drive to Fox, drive to Warner Brothers, drive to set to park in a huge parking garage and you're wasting gas and you're wasting time and and you, you have all this anxiety. You have to go through security. You have to walk 45 minutes on this beating hot, like black um, concrete to get to this little bungalow to do a five minute audition for the casting director to say thank you. And then and then you come out and there's like a, a slew of gorgeous people and then you have to leave. And it's like you've done all that psychological preparation. You had to eat. You, you had to spend 45 minutes, like, you know, two hours getting there and leaving. Now I can self tape through an audition. I can self tape and send it in and not and not deal with all that. That's better for the environment. It saves time for a lot of people. They can probably see more people and we can be in the comfortability of our own home and and send in our best take and not beat ourselves up afterwards because, and this applies to anyone in any profession, after you do an audition or a, a application or interview, afterwards you're like, you, you replay it 30 times in your head or three times or you make the choice to let it go and F it and not for and and forget about it. You know, that takes courage too, but you don't have to sit there and be like, I did this or I did this or analyze this or then, you know what I mean? You can just like, here's my work and here you go and like, let it go into the universe, you know, or call lastly, like I'm calling guitar center. I'm calling these companies and they like working from home. They can take their dog out. If they need a meal, they can need a meal. They don't have to be an adult asking permission to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we're human beings, not you know, we need to be, you know, treated with respect. If we need to go to the bathroom, like, okay, like, you don't have to ask to go to the bathroom when you're an adult. <laughs> it's so interesting you say that because we've had, I've had this conversation with a number of people about COVID and, and the changes that we're going to see. And hopefully some of them will stick like this. Do we need to be in an office setting all the time? Do we need to, um, you know, yeah, like gather together just to have a productive day. And how productive is that? Whether, you know, can we work from home and be just as productive and also have some balance in our life, right? And we're finding we can, we can. Well, yeah, and based on what you just said, I always thought the mentality of like what you just said, this is this is creating new opportunities for the people who want to be in the office, they can have those opportunities to be in the office because that's what they want to do. When there's opportunities to work at home, those people know they have a segue to to take that opportunity to work from home. Just like when I was younger, I have never been a morning person. If I need to be on set because I'm being paid and I need to be on set at 5 a.m., I can go to set, no problem, no problem. However, I am the kind of human being that I like to like, like read or just be in my own little cocoon and intro I'm an ambivert. So I'm an extrovert and an introvert. So that's why I have all my interviews and all my things in the afternoon with people. Cause I can be more talkative and give my best energy then because I've taken my introverted energy, the best energy actually, you know, and, and to apply it to making myself my best self to set myself up for the day. So I just always thought it was really important as a kid, instead of like getting up and going to school and getting on the bus and dealing with all that stuff, there should have been two programs, people who want to go in the morning and then people who want to go to school later on in the day 
and and get out around four or five instead of getting out at 207 they get out around four or five and so they can do their homework or practice or you know sports and then and then be ready to have dinner and then study afterwards or listen to music or do something creative play and then go to sleep and have their mornings to do their homework or whatever and then go to school so instead of like everyone going to school so early in the morning i mean all the dropouts all the people who didn't do well at school maybe they function on a different level you know we're human beings and as kids we don't get this option you get thrown into the system and you're like this is the way it's going to be and we're, we're ripped of our freedom and our choices and yes there's a discipline there there also can be a friendly discipline to maybe go to school of like three a couple hours later you know what i mean yeah and that's a very interesting point because they actually say that especially teenagers do not function in the mornings that is not a prime time for them so they go to school at eight o'clock in the morning, their brain isn't even functioning yet at that time of day. So why are we doing that to them? Because we have these rigid sets of rules. We need a babysitting service. That's what our school system has become, a babysitting service for the parents to be able to work because we need them in the office doing the nine to five. Yeah, I could go on and on about all of that, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know, yeah. do you know Mind Valley? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So vision, um, he's amazing. We're friends. He created mind Valley. So he created a, like an opportune, um, you know, schooling educational system for people who see and do things a different way. And also the parents who did the homeschooling or, you know, the, the foreign exchange programs, that, that was like an elite privilege thing. But now because of the pandemic, more parents know about homeschooling and all kids basically had to homeschool and some will find that it's better for them. And some will find, you know, some, kids just need to actually be in school definitely be around other kids be involved in going to sports like those things are definitely important um but i'm glad there's um a breakage in the system because vision from um you know mind valley was saying the the educational system hasn't been upgraded in over a hundred years but now with the pandemic it definitely is being updated we, we, our nature has, we've been forced to update our systems in the way we think for education and the way we think um, as human beings and how we are um, in relation in humanity with one another. Like, I think people will be kinder and more empathetic of, hey, like um, these people who used to annoy me being outside, it's actually nice to see people outside. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would that be? It's a really, really interesting question. I feel like we've definitely covered some of the interwoven brushstrokes of this. Um, But, you know, health and kindness come to me as, as number one. So I think definitely having artists um, who are, Art of is like artivism, um, who are wanting to make an impact in society. I mean, again, I circle back to um, Vision, who lives in Estonia, and it's like everything's medieval, but he says the government is all in their 30s. So I think it'd be really um, apropos to have people like Alan Watts and and um, neuroscientists like Dr. Greg Braden and um, people like that more having a hand in our government and, um, you know, having a voice, um, definitely creating new grounds, um, of, of the laws, um, you know, and incorporate the universal laws, you know, to the man-made government. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I think it's so important that we, we start to upgrade our, um, 
what is it, the middle-aged white man, you know, the patriarchy that we've had going for so long that it's not working. It never was working. And it's all about power. And so shifting that, I think, is so important, right? And- I, 1,000, 1,000. Yes, yes, 1,000. And and maybe that's why when I was uh, a kid and I was young, maybe that's why I just never got into politics because I'm like, I'm an aesthetic being, right? Aesthetics, a visual artist and a vibes and feelings. And every time I saw anything that had to do with politics, it was just like old white men. You know what I mean? It was like so boring and not pleasing to look at. You know what I'm saying? It's like, come on. So not that everything has to be like a beauty show, but I mean, let's put some character into life, right? I mean, come on. You know what I mean? And 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 let the people, like they say, the people have the vote. Let the people choose. You know, yeah. educated, educated people, you know, educated like, people. Edu- <laughs> educate the people. And, and like we said, people can get more educated because of podcasts, because of people exactly like you who create and hold space to, you know, have these conversations through the power of conversation, you know, goes into inspiring us into having a new thought that turns into form, that turns into an energetic action. That's how we shift and pivot through evolution. I mean, it's happening right now through this conversation. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so you seem like a very outgoing, um, very accomplished um, young person. And so imposter syndrome is one of those things that, you know, tends to get us all at some point. Is that something that you still struggle with or, you know, and yeah. how do you deal with it? Thank you. It's important, important, important topic. I, I close my eyes right now because it's so painful. Um, the the thing is um, with imposter syndrome is, um, you know, when you grow up into a society and you're taught to be perfect in every which way and to be a people pleaser and to present yourself in a certain way, especially if you're a a lady or a woman and they say, you know, like um, marry a certain kind of person or do not have a career and just marry into something and then be at home, stay at home mom, you know, obviously times have changed. But, um, you know, when when I chose as an independent leader to be, um, you know, to have a career, I always had a strong shield of being so tough because I had to prove myself in a quote unquote man's world until, you know, um, until like recently when I was a part of the Ambies and, you know, one of the directors of the podcast Academy said your podcast, she's all over the place. Podcast is a business podcast. I thought it was an arts podcast, but she's like, you're a business podcast. And by hearing that validation from this woman who sees thousands of podcast submissions, I, it really honored and it, 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 it dove deep into my heart. It was like a devotion moment for me because I, I was able to just recently in this last year be un, dismantle the whole man's world and be like, yo, I am an accomplished woman and I am like a businesswoman. My podcast is a business podcast and I go out there and I, I speak and I talk and um, from a place of, you know, Plato, the Republic, his book is amazing, just and unjust. And I always speak from a Libra standpoint of just, is it just or unjust? And the business and the information of what I say, I don't know everything, but what I do share, you know, like I share with the brushstroke of conviction because it's just, and it's what I wholeheartedly like believe in and what I've been accumulating through my experiences thus far. So that was really big for me. And then other 
um, tactic tactics along the way of imposter syndrome is understanding that I have been seeing the lens of the world as a perfectionist. And there are so many things in my mind that would line up that I would say, oh, and I kept waiting and waiting and putting off and putting off instead of putting out. And I had to wake myself up. For example, I'll give you a short example of the imposter syndrome of I released the EP October 20th, Hypnotic Energy. My next one, I was releasing February 14th on Valentine's Day, but then decided to release the book on uh, World Poetry Day, March 21st. So I decided to wait on the EP, the Full House EP to wait. And then all of a sudden, March, April, May. And I was like, wait a minute, this Full House EP has been ready since 2020. And I chose to wait because of the um, poetry book. And I'm like, but that was three months ago. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm releasing it in two weeks. And I I put it up on the um, distribution on DistroKid. It's streaming everywhere. I, I put it up. I did all the music videos. I, I put them up. I did all the SEO. I put them up and I put it out. My next three EPs, like I said at the beginning of the conversation, are ready to go. It's the imposter syndrome of this idea in my head. So what I do now is I check myself and I do hacks. I tune in and I check in with what's something that I wanted to do or that's ready to go that I haven't put out yet. And why am I waiting on it? So now I have these questions of like, what's ready? What have I wanted to do? What what am I waiting on? What have I wanted to do that's not done? That was my poetry book. I've always wanted to release a poetry book since I was 12. I'm like, yo, but there wasn't Amazon when I was 12. You know what I mean? There was a self-publishing. There was the hurdle of finding a book publisher and finding all these people and everything to keep me from empowering myself to be self-empowered in my third chakra, in my third chakra to do it myself. And so um, and no one's traveling during the pandemic. I wasn't. So I was like, yo, like, because normally it's like, where have you been in the world that you want to go that you haven't gone yet? But I was like, what, what's something I wanted to do that I haven't done yet? I'm like, you know, be a self-published author. So then I hacked it and I hacked the imposter syndrome and I took action and I did it. And what you do is I give myself hard stops. I don't like saying the word deadline because it has dead in it. And I don't like using negative connotations like don't, can't, um, you know, because it's through the word of what we've been sharing as a vibration. And if I'm sharing and sending it, I'm programming that into my um, neurotransmitters into my hippocampus, right? Um, in in so many other places. Um, so I am very mindful of what I say and how I say it. So I released, so I, so I hacked myself from that imposter syndrome. I'm like, and I got going and I released it. And I'm like, what else do I have to do? And so I had to do an excerpt of, um, you know, the message of my, my book. And I just, you know, it took five weeks and I had to do it every single day, but it took five weeks and I did it. I didn't post it on my social media yet, and I am going to call to action to do that tomorrow because, or today to, to one of my accounts. I should do it actually today. So I like, I like giving myself hard stops. And then Asana is amazing. It's a free program, A-S-A-N-A, and you can just write all these tasks and assign them to yourself, and it's free. And so you can assign yourself to all these tasks that you want to do and give yourself dates for them. So you can call yourself out on being that perfectionist or you call yourself out on that imposter syndrome and you just get over your own stuff and get over your own thoughts and you you rise above it or you get so deeply rooted under it that you just have the effort card and you just take action to do it. And when you take action just to do it like Nike, that's always been my favorite mantra, like Nikki to win victorious people, 
like, you know, that's what it means. Um, victorious people to win just, just to get into action, right? Cause we ruminate these thoughts and two years go by five years go by a decade goes by and you wanted to do this something. And what happens is our shaman, shaman, Harry Paul, he's amazing. Um, he's from New Mexico. Shaman, Harry Paul.com. I think is his website or just Google shaman, Harry Paul. But he says we live in a vertical world up and down. We're connected to the source up and down. But what happens is when someone has a traumatic experience when they were 14 or an accident that happened, a car accident from 10 years ago, they jag it like an ocean and they jag the energy like horizontally because they're always ruminating and talking about and and every time you talk about it on a manifestation level like esther hicks abraham hicks caroline mice when you're speaking into action what happened 10 years ago you're bringing that into your present that is now so i speak into existence and have to with the imposter syndrome be acutely aware. And that's why journaling is amazing because then you can go back and you can circle after 30 days, you can go back and circle the same things that you've been saying or writing and say, is this serving for my highest purpose? Or do I need to cut out this language? Because it's a script which, which incorporates a belief that goes into a thought, which accumulates to the 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day that we have. So to take out those scripts, to take out those beliefs, to take out those thoughts of that, what we're saying, right? And the stuff I'm saying right now, these are things I want to keep saying, keep sharing to enhance other people, to enhance my own life. And then I can help and enhance other people's lives. Right, right. And I think that's so important that that take action. And we, we forget that, um, everything that gets in our way is really just fear. So if we can, you know, work through that and just take one step, just take one step at a time till you get to the end result. But when you just look at the whole thing and go, I can't do it, that that's just fear holding you back. And, and I know we all know it's a false evidence appearing real. And, and the thing is we ruminate for five to seven to eight years in depression and, and, and having that rock under us where it's like it like like you said by taking that one step it's energy and motion it's one step if it's hugging a tree if it's writing in a journal for one day and you say i want to try to do it every day or make a 40-day commitment but then you go back and you're like i didn't do it every day but how many times did you do it it's it's better than when you started of not doing it one start with one and that end result of what we think is our end result the journey will lead us and we'll discover on things new things on on things that's funny uh, new things and then but when we take that one step and we take another step and we take another step it's kind of, it's just like that beautiful book um called um the richest man in babylon are you have you read it yes 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 so for the listener and the viewer, you know, we can chat about it. The richest man in, in Babylon, it's like when um, you get a gold nugget, you get a gold nugget, but then you take that gold nugget. You're so excited. You're like, oh my God. And then you want to give that gold nugget to your partner, or to your mom or to your your spouse or your, to your child. You're like, I have this gold nugget. And you're, just, you're so excited. You just want to share it. And then, and then, you know, as life goes on, you just get these gold nuggets but you're not accumulating your own gold mountain. But what happens is when the universal law and the language of life gives you a gold nugget by that one step, or you're taking that gold nugget and you're putting it to the side and you're collecting these nuggets 
And then you look to the right, you're like, oh my God, look at this gold mine. It just like multiplied majorly and you have this huge gold mine. And then you can start taking that gold nugget and gift it to other people. And that's, that's a way to, that's how, um, you know, you can save money. Um, Cause for the people who have such a hard time, it's that initial platform. It's that initial mountain. It's that initial, you know, support system that we want from someone else. But the, the universal law and the identity of life is for us to save ourselves and to gift that for ourselves. And when we gift it to for ourselves, you show the universe you're responsible, right? That you're responsible. It's, you know, it's a responsibility. And then you have that for yourself. And then you can enjoy life more instead of being fight and flight and always struggling and always in the hamster wheel of the struggle. And I went through it. So I know. And I went through it multiple times and I was expecting my multimillionaire friends and my multi-billionaire friends. I pleaded and I came up with plans, business plans, and I pleaded for them to invest in me, you know, for them to give me cash so I could do these visions. A lot of people have the money that they have because they keep their monies. You know what I mean? And something like that. Some, some of those people, they're actually, they're enabling that behavior and they're actually friends when they don't give you, even though you want to say F you and like, you didn't help me. Da, da, da. Sometimes we all need a helping hand. Yes. But sometimes those ver same very people, you don't see it, but they're actually helping you and empowering you for you to do it on your own. They did it on their own. And there's some kind of universal law of life when it comes to finances, some unspoken rule that we're supposed to like find our own way and respect and do it ourselves because they, you know, they say once you make your first thousand or once you're you make your first million, once you know how to do it and then you lose it, it doesn't take as long to do it again because you know how to do it. So it's like an inner challenge and it's a game that we can play with ourselves, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, I want to thank you. This has been quite an enlightening conversation. Is there anything that you uh, just final comments you want to say to our listeners? Yes, definitely go to the Sophisticated Psychos YouTube channel. We have um, I during the pandemic, we produced um, uh, a web series called Couples Therapy season one, two and three. And so we already shot season one, season two streaming right now. And we haven't even released season three yet. So it's really awesome if you want to kind of um the, the listener and the viewer, it's your cup of tea if you're definitely tuned into the show because it's taking imposter syndrome, it's taking um, HSP, it's taking all of these things that are so spiritual and creative and incorporating them with like in partnership of having a partner and dealing with their stuff while you're dealing with your own stuff and then knowing how to deal with your own stuff while like there's an energetic human being right there. So it's like improv and it's Nikki Scorpio, my music partner. And, um, you know, we did all the music, he does all the editing. And so, um, and, and then we have our wacky therapist, Alessandra, who's my producing partner. She's amazing. And, um, we're all voiceover artists. So it's, you know, using our, utilizing our voices in a funny comical way to talk about like the human design and like talk about, um, Caroline Mice, the mystic intuitive and talking about like, you know, our shamans and things like that. So it's, it's comical, good fun. So if everyone wants to have a laugh and, uh, you 
you know, see my crazy vibes. Um, just check into uh, the Sophisticated Psychos. And we have a lot of music videos there that you can visually see. Also, um, you know, if you want to keep hearing my voice, I have uh, a popular podcast I mentioned. She's all over the place. So we'd love for you to tap in, tune in. You can email me directly and um, I can guide you to a specific episode um, if you want to know about something specific. That's what she's all over the place is about, um, being all over the place. So with ethics, morals, and values in anything that you can think about, like YouTube or marketing or anything creative. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of like who I am. And um, I hope to add value to your life. And uh, I'm here for you anytime you want to reach out. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for being here today. Yes, my pleasure. And lastly, um, I am actually my season four, I am honoring all female identifying human beings. And I would love to honor you and have you on my podcast for season four. I would love that. I would love that. Cool. Yes. Okay, great. We'll make that happen. (laughs) Perfect. To our listeners, we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Are you a daily journaler? Do you want more creativity in your day? We have two great creativity journals to start your day with. One for people who already have a journaling practice and one for people who are new to journaling. Both are an amazing way to start your day. Both make the perfect gift for a person in your life. Check out Have an Amazingly Creative Day and How Do I Have an Amazingly Creative Day. Both currently available on Amazon. Click the link below to purchase yours now.